0: you're listening to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. On today's episode, Matt, Emma, Tony, and I sit down and talk about something we all deal with on some level, and that's people-pleasing, or in more spiritual terms, the fear of man. What is the fear of man? It's when we try to seek the approval of human beings over the approval of God. And the truth is, we've all done this. It may take shape in different forms. It may be triggered by different things, but it is something everyone deals with. We talk about it from the perspective of leaders and we talk about it from the everyday, just living life kind of perspective. It's a great conversation and I can't wait for you to hear it. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Maggie Ulmer and I am sitting here today with a whole bunch of people. Let's have some introductions.
1: Who are all these people that you're talking about? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> when you
2: said There's, that, I was like There's four of us It's <laughs> a whole bunch There's four of us I'm Tony
1: I'm Matt
3: I'm Emma Winchester
1: You guys are so weird Tell us your name, Margaret
0: <laughs> I just said Maggie, didn't I say Maggie? Um, I don't know
1: This is gonna be a great podcast episode, I can already tell
0: Yeah Well, I don't care what people think Because I don't suffer from fear of man Wow! Ooh. Whoa. Ooh, that's a hard
2: transition. Came in hard. Wow!
3: <laughs> good, good segue. So, what's uh,
1: what's our topic for today, Maggie?
0: Our topic for today is we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to what what do we mean when we say fear of man, and talk a little bit about people pleasing, and you know, this is something that we all deal with on some level in certain environments. So, we're just going to get into it because it's there in the ministry world. It's there in church land, for sure.
2: Yeah. I was thinking about this, and I wondered, uh, w- what are some of the pitfalls of people pleasing in ministry? Like when you think about the first thing that you think about, what's what comes to mind for you, Matt?
1: Well, at least for me, I mean, I know this has been a struggle throughout my life, um, not just in ministry world. I think it's just as human beings. Mm-hmm the first thing that came to my mind is like really asking the the question behind that. Well, why am I doing that? Like, why am I so concerned about how other people are receiving me or whether people are approving of the decisions I'm making? Do they like me? You know, what is it that's behind all of that? Um, and I think, you know, at least as I've you know sorted through that throughout my own life i think it really probably comes back to identity issues which we've talked about a lot mm-hmm. on this podcast and really kind of where we find our worth you know whether our our worth comes in relationship with how god sees us and how we relate to god or whether our worth comes from how we're received by other people and when you're identity and worth is tied up in how you're received and responded to by other people then of course you're going to want to please them you're, you're you want to you know elicit certain responses that help make you feel better you know like oh okay i'm okay i'm okay because they think i'm okay you know so yeah i think for me that's probably it gets back to um really core identity stuff
0: So I like what you've said, because inherent within it is a pretty good definition of what we mean when we say fear of man. And that is to say that being afraid of what other people think is sort of like a, or fear of man seeking approval from human beings rather than say, for instance, God.
1: When we say fear of man, we're not, I, I mean, most of the time we're not talking about like, I'm afraid they're going to literally harm me physically. Yeah. What are we really afraid of? we're literally we're just afraid that they won't like what i'm saying or doing yeah. or won't affirm me as a person mm-hmm. um and so it's really about perception, really.
3: Yeah, or even more than that. So like we say fear of man or fear fear of God, right? So when we talk about fear of God, we're talking about a kind of reverence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so really at the core of fear of man is not actually I'm afraid of what people say. In my opinion, it is I'm actually... I'm putting, putting more value on yeah. what other people say than I am on what God says about me. So the fear of man directly butts up against and is challenging the way that you hear the Holy Spirit speak identity over you. Like, it's more about, oh, I am, I am putting more value, more uh, focus and more reverence to what other people perceive me to be than I am about what God says. And so it is a type of, you know, feeling afraid of not being enough, not being worthy, but even more than that, it's almost like it's a, it's a type of idol. Yeah. Yeah. Idolatry. Right.
1: Where really people and their opinions are sort of the thing that you're worshiping.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It just gets really easy too in ministry because, um, the entire culture of the North American church is set up to keep people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like that what gets rewarded gets repeated. is something we say around here a lot. And that, you know, one of the problems with that is that when the model is set up to keep people, how can we expect to keep people and be obedient to God when oftentimes God's obedience requires things that challenges the people. Mm-hmm. And so back to your point, Emma, I think, Um, Relationally, we sometimes we have to choose which relationship is more important. Is my relationship with God more important? Or is my relationship with the crowd of people who I'm trying to please or I'm trying to serve more important, right? Or, you know, is and and I use serve in kind of a misnomer kind of way because really the best way to serve them is to be obedient to God. But it can be really, really hard to get there.
0: Mm -hmm. I often think, too, actually – we're able to answer that question pretty quickly usually like which you know which relationship is more important okay yes I'm gonna say God because I know that's the right answer the tricky part is like okay then executing that and also back to the whole identity issue is it's really hard to white knuckle that it's really hard to do that out of your own strength because you know, knowing your identity in Christ and knowing that God's approval, having conviction for God's approval above everybody else's, it really, that's something that comes from revelation, in my opinion. Mm
1: -hmm. I do think, I think you're right in that ultimately in all of our lives, there, there are moments, there rubber meet the road kind of moments Mm -hmm. where it's not just theory anymore. It's not just, well of course God's opinion of me matters more. Yeah. There's just like moments where and I think if we're honest, I think most people would say I'm not th- I'm not talking just about ministry leaders. They would say there are moments when you know there's like a conviction. Yeah. I feel like God would have me do this, but I don't feel comfortable with how other people are going to receive that. Mm-hmm. And you're faced with a real choice. Mm-hmm. Like you have to there are those kind of fork in the road moments. Sometimes they're big. Sometimes they're just little small things during the day where you legitimately have to choose which of those things you're going to prioritize. You know, pleasing God and pleasing men is not always mutually exclusive, no, but there yeah. are going to be cases that come up in our lives. You will always have some moments where you cannot do both.
0: Yeah, I mean, Scripture says... Um You know, there are people who are given favor on earth and in heaven, favor among human beings, favor among men. And that is something God will, uh, you know, give people, especially people who have callings, you know, and we all, in some sense, we all have callings in our spheres. And so God has given us all favor among the people whom he intends us to uh, evangelize or um, preach the gospel to, you know, whether that's your children or your spouse or your closest friends, whatever. Um, And that's something that I think that we don't live into enough, like that God has actually given you favor to, to preach the gospel to Mm -hmm. the people around you. And that's something that we allow fear of man to hinder all the time.
2: Mm -hmm. I wonder too, if uh, I was just thinking about this as we were talking is, is Adam's sin in the garden directly connected to people pleasing, right? Eve gets convinced by the serpent and then Adam eats the, apple because Eve gives it to her. Right. And so it's, it's an act of disobedience, but, um, Adam knew what the rule was too. Right. Like it's, it's, he made a choice based off of probably the serpent and also also Eve, right? Genesis three, right? Like it's Eve gave the apple to him and he ate it. Well, why did he eat it?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he listened to her voice. Right.
1: Over God's
2: voice in
0: that moment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know. I mean, ultimately, uh, making practical choices that do not, that you know are not going to be pleasing to other people, mm-hmm. isn't is fundamentally an act of trust. Do I trust the Lord enough mm-hmm. that I believe that He will be enough, even if other people don't like this? Yeah. Even if this makes somebody mad, even if this looks super weird to other people, you know, like when the Spirit prompts you to do something, you know whatever like when we go on our weekends and we you know uh, do prayer outreaches and people go and pray for people and all kinds of interesting settings around the community there's that same kind of rubber meets the road moment and that's part of the reason we do that exercise is because it, it you have to confront that moment okay we've been praying we're out trying to be available for the lord to use now he's led us to a person where i'm I feel a conviction like I'm supposed to offer to pray for this person, but the human side of me, the flesh side of me says like, what if they don't like this? What if it's weird? You know, what, this is, um, this is awkward, all of this stuff. And you kind of have to choose in that moment. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like exercising a muscle. Like, am I willing to trust God enough that if he's put me in this situation, that he's going to meet me here and it doesn't honestly matter how that person reacts, like whether they think it's weird or not. If the if this if the Lord is with me, and my value comes from Him, and I'm just trying to be faithful to Him, then it honestly doesn't matter. Yeah. I want to. Can I read this? Is, um, this is probably my favorite verse on this topic. Now, because this is I, I'll tell you, because this has been a thing that I've had to struggle with. And I think every pastor struggles with this, whether they admit it or not. I mean, I just can think back over the years. It's been, gosh, I'm getting old, man. It's like getting close to 20 years now of full-time ministry. Accurate. That's... (laughs) (laughs) Dang. Man. Okay, well, in any case... Tony uh, does
0: not suffer from fear.
1: (laughs) I was thinking about... Sure, I do. ...over the years, like... There's just situations, you know, there's certain... I can picture certain people even where it's like you just... There's certain ones that you know, oh, man. Like, you get nervous every time you see them because nothing's ever good enough or they think something that you did, you're like, they're going to hate this, they're going to hate me, then they're going to talk to their friends, you know, Mm. all this stuff. And um, there was just a few crossroad moments early in my ministry where I had to, to confront this and with a couple... People in particular, am I going to worry about what they think, or am I going to be, be obedient to what I believe God is asking me to do? And I, I made this list of, I don't know, there's maybe 10 verses, and I used to like, there was this one particular season I can remember, I just read it every morning. It was in this particular time where I was feeling the pressure of making some hard calls, and I would just read it every morning. I just read these verses, and I'd be like, no, God is enough. Like, I can trust Him. He's where my value comes from. It doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter, you know? And this is maybe my favorite one on that list. So here you go. Galatians 1.10. I'm sure most people have heard this before. Paul just lays it out so plain. He says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And that's what I would read that verse and I'd be like, if I was still trying to please people, I would not be in ministry. Mm-hmm. Like the two things don't go together. So, no, <laughs> they don't. you know, and, um, but Paul's like, I mean, Paul has a way of saying things pretty black and white like that, but you know, Paul wasn't in the business of pleasing people. He had tons and tons of enemies, you know? And so did the disciples and so did Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like Sometimes I, you know, I've said before to, to churches that we've worked with, even in churches where I've pastored, if you never have anyone who doesn't like what you're doing, you might ask yourself whether you're really following Jesus or not. Yeah. Because when you're being obedient to Christ, you're going to do things that are in tension with the world around you. That's just a fact. And if, if you never experience any tension like that, uh, that might be a That actually may be a worse kind of scenario for you as a Christian. Just, you know, at least a question to ask yourself.
0: I think it's worth noting um, the kind of bondage that can come from, you know, just submitting to people pleasing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that the reason I bring it up is because, look, all of us will sort of give into it at some point small things sometimes big things but because you get tired you know you get fatigued and you get sort of just like i can't have another argument i just don't have or i i don't want another conflict i don't want another debate about something i've got nothing left for that and that's very real that's real in life it's certainly real in ministry it's certainly real in pastoral ministry and I think that while there's certainly grace for all of those those moments, I think it's also important to just encourage people and say there are real consequences when we give in to that stuff. Um, first of all, you know what gets rewarded gets repeated, as Tony likes to say. Um, when you when you respond to people in particular ways, you teach them how they can continually respond to you. But then also. I mean, unfortunately, this is how a lot of church culture gets shaped is 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 rather than sort of like a a vision that is um, that has a wider perspective of what God's desire is. It gets nailed down into these tiny little decisions of fighting fires. And what are you going to say, Tony?
2: Uh, Well, I I think the cultural theology Mm. is built on the back of people pleasing
0: I don't know what that what So cultural, more.
2: cultural theology is the theology that comes with a specific culture, mm. right? So somewhere along the way, someone said, oh, we should put the American flag on the platform.
0: Whoa. Going, uh, okay. <laughs> uh,
2: look, I'm a veteran. I can talk about the flag all I want. I've, I've served under it. I've buried mm-hmm. friends under it. Yeah. And yet I firmly believe that the idea of putting the American flag next to the altar mm. is a form of cultural theology. Right, that it's integrated the culture. Well, why do we do that? Because somewhere along the way, someone said, we should put it there, right? You're not an American church unless you put that American flag next to the altar. Well, does that butt up against kingdom-minded theology? I would argue yes, right? Mm. And, and I actually don't have a problem if you wanna put it up there. What I have a problem with is when we don't define whether or not the Lord is telling us to put it up there, or if just the culture is telling us to put it up there, oh, I see what there, you're saying. Interesting. And then the people is telling us to put it up there, sure. right? So a lot of the colloquialisms, co- coll- colloquialisms thank you, that we get in the church today that is not representative of what we see in Scripture are built on people pleasing and cultural theology,
0: satisfying whatever the cultural norms are.
2: That's right. And then all yeah. of a sudden, it, it, it I, I believe, the enemy uses it to creep into our church, and then it becomes you know, the cultural norms then become the religious norms, Mm. right? And becomes the practices, right? Like, I mean, if you go to most churches in America, um, you know, Protestant mainline churches, right? You're going to see three songs, a 30-minute sermon, and two songs at the end, you know, if it's a contemporary worship. Uh, Well, the the hard part for me on that is, is that what the Lord's telling you to do? Mm. Right? Like, or are we people-pleasing so that we're like everyone else? Like when we pull back on this issue, it it actually has a it has a ton to do in the way that we operate.
0: Sure. So what you're saying is, is are we ordering worship according to whatever the Holy Spirit is doing, say, for instance, on any given Sunday morning? And are we operating with a general sort of Lord, you have permission like we organize ourselves according to what your desire is? Or are we saying, look, everybody needs to get out of here by noon so people can go have lunch and see football games and whatever? Well, that, I don't even say it's bigger saying?
2: than just ordering worship, right? Are we ordering the church? Sure, absolutely. Right? If we can keep pulling that back and back further and further. And and while I think it's important to look at the historic church for obvious reasons on, on how we should order the church, but also um, is there space in your order for
1: God's obedience?
0: Sure. Nice to hear that.
1: Yeah, I think... Uh, in ministry leadership people pleasing is actually not the most it's it's not just about you it's actually not the most loving thing for other people yeah because if you're not being like obedient to to what god is asking and you're just making decisions based on what people will like you're actually harming them spiritually as a spiritual leader so it's not actually helping them it's just helping you it's self-serving in that you're doing it as a way of preservation and I get it look I I don't say that from the you know some big place of judgment I've been in it like I'm there right I get it but most of the decisions when we're erring on the side of pleasing people it's really about self you know self preservation self serving you know trying to avoid conflict those things it's really not helping the other people in fact it's just creating what you've been talking about is sort of like embedding because of the the leadership and the propensity to sort of catering to people's needs it just it fuels that kind of consumeristic mindset that's so prevalent in north american churches because you're you're embedding that in people as you like make decisions based on their you know desires whether or not those things align with you know if the the desires align with scripture and we'll the leadership of the spirit in your context and praise God, that's awesome. But a lot of times those desires are in conflict and we cave to them anyways. And we're actually then malforming them uh, as spiritual leaders.
0: What do you think, Emma?
3: Man, I'm just thinking about how much preference mm-hmm. we have over what God wants for our churches. It's sad and it grieves his heart. So,
1: <laughs> And that's kind of get you know, Yeah, gosh. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Look, when Emma says that you're grieving God's heart, I just went, like everybody sitting at this table who's not Emma just went, okay.
2: The ever so subtle voice of the prophets. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: But, sorry, Matt,
3: were you going to say something? Well, I was
1: going to say that is a disease of the culture that Tony was talking about. Because think about every facet of life. In a rich culture that we live in, you have preference on everything.
3: Everything, yeah.
1: What color of earbuds do I want? Yeah. Yeah. What, you know, million different options do I want for clothing Mm -hmm. today? You know, a thousand different combos on the menu at the Mm drive-through, right? Like, we are, from day one of, like, living in this kind of culture, you Mm -hmm. are just inundated with your preference is what matters. Get what you want. We're going to give you all the options because we are driven by consumerism. Mm-hmm.
0: I think there's another thing that you sort of teased the edge of, which I think, which is this idea of self-preservation, which I think exists on an individual level, but it exists on a corporate level too. Um, which is this idea of of self-preservation is often about preserving culture, like the culture that the people inside of a particular church or a denomination or whatever, um, but we'll just go with church right now, preserving a culture that everybody's comfortable with and, you know, doesn't feel feel ill at ease or alienated or, or disoriented inside of, and also we will do things to quote unquote put butts in seats in a way to continually preserve the institution too but when we when we and you talk about this all the time Matt when we do things to sort of like bring people in whether it's sports or you know whatever we're not actually wanting to bring people in to convert them save them heal them we want to bring them in so that they can help us preserve our culture
1: yeah Mm
0: -hmm. and That is a terrible thing. I I mean, I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but I think it's important that we understand how not, that that is the opposite of what the purpose of the church is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of conversations, especially in recent years, with people in churches and pastors, exactly what you're describing. Like, uh, immediately I'm thinking about this conversation I had with this older gentleman, part of a church that was really struggling, He uh, asked to talk to me on the phone. I talked to him on the phone for an hour. The entire conversation was hinged around how to reach more young people. Their church is dying. It's getting smaller and smaller. It's a country church. It had once been flourishing. Now it's dying. But when the longer we talked, the more I realized, and I'm not trying to be mean, but his desire to reach young people had nothing to do with those young people. Yeah, yeah, It's that he couldn't stand the thought of seeing his church die while he was still alive. And so the motivation to reach people had nothing evangelistic about it, you know, not in its true sense. It was just like, I need, I need people. I need to use people yeah. to keep this thing going. Like, they're not helping me. Like, where are these people that are gonna help me keep this thing going? You got to help me reach them. How can we get them? You're never if you're entering in with that, you're never going to reach them yeah. with that heart, because uh, that's entirely self-serving.
0: That is spiritual vampirism.
1: Yeah. Well, now that we've really uplifted everyone's spirit,
2: <laughs> well, I, I wonder if I wonder if we might <laughs> yeah shift a little bit, right? Yeah. And and you know we've all admitted to being people pleasers at least a little bit. You know, wrestling with it, fighting with it for apparently two decades in ministry that Matt's been in. Uh, (laughs) Clearly the oldest at the table. Um, That's not even true, actually. I'm the oldest human, but you are the oldest. No, I,
0: I think I'm the oldest human.
2: Oh, you're right.
1: Yeah, Dang. you're the you're the oldie. <laughs> That
0: was quick. <laughs> but let's talk about. I'm for sure
2: the youngest. You're for sure the youngest. <laughs> yeah.
1: Let's talk about how no we
2: how we fight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to move this thing Keep forward. Going, uh, you're good. How you're do good. we how do we fight people pleasing, mm. in our hearts so that we can focus on the Lord? Uh, I'd be interested to hear tips, tricks, practices, things that you do personally. Yeah. Uh, Margaret, uh, maybe we could start with you.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, I will confess, I don't have like a broad problem with people pleasing. In fact, I could probably stand to think a little bit more, although I do have like a a lane of it for sure. Um, But I think it, for me personally, it always comes down to understanding uh, that, you know, where the the value of my identity lies and and trusting God enough with... you know knowing that that he loves me and that his plans for me are for flourishing and and goodness and you know these are the things that i have to when i find myself wondering like you know am, am i serving a purpose am i you know do people i i'm a person who wants to be needed you know and so um and that's like when you're like a homeschooling mom and a pastor's wife and you know all this stuff it's like really easy to flex that muscle all the time and it can keep you really busy and not sort of thinking about the deeper things so that's my when I stop to um, when that stuff ceases and I have that stillness all of a sudden and I'm like crud you know that's when I start to fall into people pleasing or fear of man or wondering like you know where are the people at but um yeah, what do I do? I just tell myself the truth. And I, to use inner healing language, I replace lies with truth. Now it doesn't stop the flesh from aching or my heart from aching necessarily, but I I just, you just can't. I've learned how to live in the tension of feeling that ache a little bit and also being like, you know what? It's okay. This is actually not what you're going to let your life be run by. And Psalm 131 is, is one in particular recently that I've Read a lot, which is essentially you know i i i my soul is weaned and comforted i've I've settled my soul, I'm like a child resting against the their mother, and I'm good, Lord, I'm with you, that's it, that's all I need.
3: I don't know if I have much to say on this, I mean I feel like um, it's just been a few years since I've been in ministry, so I'm still learning to recognize when I'm falling into people pleasing. Mm. Like it takes a a little while for me to be like, to recognize like here, here's what happens or here's the effects of when I fall into people pleasing and recognizing it articulating it and then repenting of it. But I think uh, if I were to just say broadly, you know, oftentimes this can turn into performance for me or yeah. things like that and so uh, fear of man it will always come after my identity and then my obedience so I have to go back to the one who speaks identity over me and who actually directs me to be to obey and I feel like I always say this but it has to go back to the place of prayer yeah. I mean, like, there's no getting around people-pleasing by mustering up strength on your own. It's There's no getting around it by, like you said, Maggie, white-knuckling through it. Like, you there can. is nothing that I can do on my own to get past people-pleasing or fear of man. So I have to go to Jesus. I just have to. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, what that looks like, I don't know if I can articulate that well, but I know that. For people who have a hard time, you know, developing prayer habits or developing spiritual disciplines, that would be the first place to start.
0: Yeah, actually, I just want to, one specific thing, which Emma helped me remember right now, which is, is devotion. I actively practice devotion. Like I, I just practice adoring Jesus. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think. I would echo the things that have already been shared. I do think a life of prayer, just an intimacy with God is the greatest. I mean, that's the, that's the, the key to everything in the mm-hmm. Christian life, right? Yeah. Intimacy with God. But certainly in this area, like the more I'm— if if my life of prayer is lacking— it happens to be the same times and I'm going to be looking <laughs> for yeah, affirmation yeah. in other places it's so you know how that works it's just like that's just the reality the other thing I um, I just jotted down a couple things as people were sharing one is uh, good intentional relationships if I'm more likely to fall into sort of trying to find affirmation and approval from from lots of other people when I'm not in a season when I've actively cultivated some close, intentional relationships in my life. Because if I have a few relationships, friendships, spiritual friendships, uh, including, obviously, most importantly with my wife, but in addition to that, a few other people in my life who love me for who I am, who I feel like I can honestly share the struggles of life, the sin that I've dealt with, and they still love me and they pray for me, then I'm less likely to chase that superficial affirmation in other people because I know I have some companions along the way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that would be, um, I'm just thinking back over kind of my life. And then the last thing I was going to say is, um, which is kind of vague also, but it's I, I don't know how else to say it, is just pursuing a life of humility. Mm. Because for, for me, like people pleasing is a, a result of really pride like i as soon as i fall into kind of the trap of pride like wanting to make a name for myself wanting people to think highly of me or see me a certain way all of that's really driven by pride that's when i'm going to make bad decisions that are based on you know trying to keep people happy and i think to me that's what i feel like i've seen when i when i make bad choices in this regard to prioritize people over god you know it's usually a, it's a result of pride so how you know I just have tried to figure out how can I actively pursue humility and uh, sometimes in church life as a pastor it was like you know it's been stupid things like like one thing I like uh, like just silly I, I just made a decision at the very beginning of my ministry I will never be too big to stack chairs that's sounds dumb but I just know some pastors that won't do st- menial stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when the service is over and people are stacking chairs, I'm just going to jump in and stack chairs with them. Right. Just stuff like that. Like because I'm called to be a servant in this place, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you pursue an active life of humility, that posture like is like a guard against people pleasing.
0: What about you, Tony.
1: Yeah, for me, people pleasing looks a
2: little different. I was trying to think about the best way to describe it. I would say that um, when I'm people pleasing, I like to fire for effect, and so instead of uh, instead of like giving people what they want, I'll almost grandstand to the opposite, or give like the hard truth, you know, even when somebody didn't ask for it, you know, and and it's kind of an aggressive form of people pleasing right like I'm I may not be pleasing this one individual person but I'm going to show you the rest of the group how to kind of like Mm. give this truth like it's uh, in in the military we call it firing for effect when you show a a, a, like a show of force right and so for me I want you know ego and pride are are probably the two biggest things that I have to surrender over to the Lord daily and so I, I just like to ask myself a couple of questions right am I being a bully that's the first question that I need to ask myself all the time. Am I manipulating to get what I want? That's the second one. And am I holding on to this tight? Cause there's really only one thing in the world that I should be holding on to tight. And that is Jesus. And so if I can answer those three questions, honestly, and my daily practice has really been repentance. Uh, I, I really, really like to, beat the drum of repentance (laughs) Mm. (laughs) and it it comes from my aggressive nature right like it's a I feel like I can uh, I can really like man I can just repent I can repent I can repent and actively turn away from sin and turn towards God and just that daily intimacy um, the daily prayer time the daily worship time like those kind of moments that living into that idea about praying without ceasing that we see in first Thessalonians you know those things are the things that I use as tools to beat back my ego right ego you've probably heard it before edging God out and so the key here is to bring God in
3: never heard that what edging ego God edging God out wow That's,
2: yeah it's a old pastor illustration <laughs> <laughs> it's not mine I don't know who wrote it have you heard of it I think I heard that yeah. and I tried to forget it you know me <laughs> Yo. I, I love a good sticky I love a good okay. sticky if yeah. there's something I can hold on to
1: I'm gonna yeah. try to hold on to it
0: all right, Matt, you got anything else?
1: I'll just read one more verse for us as we're wrapping up. This one's from First Thessalonians. Tony just mentioned that book. Um, on the contrary, this is uh, verse 4 of chapter 2. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So again, that's getting at where does our approval come from? And he says, we are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, like, what what God have, thinks of you is literally eternally more important yeah. <laughs> than what, you know, the other people around you think. And if I have to make a choice, you know, again, we're not, I want to say, this doesn't mean you're chasing conflict, because you can err on the side of like, yep. you know, in, in some ways, you were kind of alluding this, Tony, you can you can try to sort of have a reputation and make it can be self-serving to chase conflict as well in a different kind of way. So we're not talking about just offending people for offending people's sake. That's not the point. But there are going to be crossroad moments probably this week for all of us where in big ways or little ways, we have to choose whose approval matters. And at the end of the day, has to be jesus
0: has to be Mm -hmm. jesus and just in case you know you have any questions about what god thinks of you psalm 139 Mm -hmm. his thoughts for you number the grains of sand yeah they're good thoughts
1: and they're not fickle that's the beauty they're steady he doesn't it's not like that's the that's That's the incredible thing about when you really start to understand your identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. It doesn't kind of come and go with the wind. It's like, it doesn't, you know, lapse because you you said something dumb. It's it doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't. It's not fickle like what you worry about when you're trying to please people. It's always the same. Like his his love for you is constant, Mm -hmm. and um, that makes a life of not worrying about people pleasing far less anxiety inducing just there's so much more rest in a life where you're not having to worry about your approval or your identity coming from how people receive
0: you Mm -hmm. amen amen All right, friends. Well, that has been our podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. We're very grateful for all of our listeners week after week downloading the podcast. So if you could do us the honor of hitting that subscribe button and sharing this podcast with a friend, we would be so thankful. We'll come back to you in the next conversation.